My name is Vahik Manukian. I would label myself as a non-practicing atheist. A Catholic is a Catholic. It's a, it's a religion. It's a creed. Or a Muslim, or a, or a Protestant, or a Buddhist. There's a creed. It's based on uh, what you believe, or what you practice, orthodoxy or orthopraxy. But at the end of the day, there is set instructions. There is no such a thing for an atheist that you say, oh, you must follow these things to become an atheist. So many people can uh, label themselves as atheists. One thing that binds atheists, let's say, is the belief that there is no God. It's just matter and energy, and that's it at the end of it. The minute I try to say there is no God, but I do not have proof, I am stepping into the realm of having faith, which means I'm contradicting myself. I do not want to contradict myself. Yeah, I don't believe it, but I cannot prove it. So I'm a non-practicing atheist. I want you to take us back to your childhood. How were you raised? What did you believe? What sort of ups and downs did you go through with your faith or with your atheism? Mm. I grew up as an Orthodox Christian. I was a very good Christian boy. I'm an Armenian, uh, but I was born in Iran. At some point, I started reading. I saw, you know, like evolution, creation. It's just my mind, one of a sudden, one day I woke up and I said, you know what, just this, this, this uh, belief doesn't just make sense to me. So I just moved on. How old were you at that time? I was uh, 13, 14, mm. something like that. So. That's the age I lost my faith in yeah. Christianity. I was 14. I remember the exact moment when yeah. I lost my faith. Do you remember the moment? There wasn't a moment for me. No. There was, there was, it's more, it was more like progressive you know like i was like oh, okay you know like we are seeing this evolution yeah that exists so but there is also a god so probably yeah of course god when creates it, he has a means of creating things so yeah evolution is the means so you know like so for a long time growing up i'm like yeah that makes sense but then as it further progressed i'm like you know what looks like there is no god so you you spoke about the the inability to prove that God does not exist. Yeah. Was there a time when you thought maybe you could? I was a, you can call a militant atheist. Uh, the likes of, uh, I guess, Richard Hawkins, things like that. They are very much into converting people into <laughs> atheism and they think religion is evil and the source of evil and all those things. Of course, when you're growing up, you're exposed to revolutionary ideas such as Marxism and all those things. Religion is evil, this and that and this and that. Looking back, I would never be able to prove there is no God scientifically. I could only prove that, let's say, creation did not happen exactly as written specifically to that. Version. But the Orthodox Church agrees with you that the biblical account of creation is not to be taken scientifically. I'd be very surprised if the Orthodox treated it any differently because then they would have to abandon reason. Did you come out of the closet, so to speak, with your atheism to your parents? To be honest, they kind of ignored. They said, yeah, okay, Vihig, yeah, it's okay. We love you. Uh, we pray for you. I'm like, okay, thank you. Just keep praying for me. <laughs> Do they still <laughs> practice their faith? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, being an Armenian mainly means being an Orthodox Christian. It's, it's very much deeply rooted in you. If I was brought up as, let's say, another ethnic background, again, I would have be proud of that ethnic mm. background. I, am, I'm, I was brought up as an Armenian. I am proud of being an Armenian, basically. Are you attracted to any particular worldview? No, I am not attracted to any specific more than the other ones. Even Buddhism, I'm not sure anymore. I think more and more I find them 
very similar, which, which is great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with religion or anything like that. When it comes to, let's say, specifically between Islam, Christianity, and uh, Judaism, I kind of feel Judaism is uh, more fun, more exciting, more challenging when you talk about theology, when you talk about God and his relationship between God and man, because they really feel that connection between God, you know, like uh, as the chosen people. We have this teaching that all of the Jews will be saved. I'm a Catholic, I'm not guaranteed salvation, but mm. the Jews are guaranteed salvation. Now, there's a caveat that we don't know exactly who gets to be categorized as a Jew. God knows that. Only God knows. So am I confident that Woody Allen's going to go to heaven? No, I'm not. It all comes down to that question of who is a Jew. I want to change gears a little bit now and talk mm -hmm. about the ultimate foundation. You exist. You can't deny that you exist. But you can legitimately deny that I exist and that the world exists. Why are you comfortable taking the leap of faith into this so-called reality, which I as a Catholic acknowledge as real, but why are you comfortable making that leap of faith? To me, this whole existence, it's a weird thing. Why this thing exists? And then the question is why it shouldn't exist? The same thing can go either with God or without God. Why God exists? Why shouldn't it exist? Are you 100% certain that the sensory data that's coming into through your eyes and through your ears and through your sense of touch correspond to an actual reality that's outside of you and that's independent of you? When I'm looking at it from a um, scientific point of view, which you know I cannot prove or disprove, we boil down to, let's say, electrons and protons and quantum particles that come in and out and sometimes they're energy and sometimes they're matter and whatnot. So if you look at it, there is a bunch of electrons right in this geographical space, and there's another bunch of electrons right there, turning around and doing stuff in our brains, and then we can communicate. When you go down that level, it's just a bunch of uh, matter and energy going back and forth and turning around and understanding each other. So, I mean, who is really doing that? It's just the existence itself, in a way. How many people do you think are in this room? How many persons, how many minds, how many beings are in this room right now? I don't know. Can consciousness exist on its own, independent of a flash that rots away? I don't know. Yeah, there could be some other form of consciousness. I could be part of a greater existence. As we know, universe is expanding. Expanding into what? What is it expanding into? you bring to mind this idea that the universe is expanding and cooling, and that inevitably, through entropy, it's going to dissipate into what they call the heat death. Sure, if they say so, I can... Are you comfortable with that idea? I don't care, yeah. You don't care? No. Just live your life, a good life, worry about after. If there is a God, for example, <laughs> let him decide. And if there is no God, just be a good person, just live your life. You don't feel the need to investigate this rumor that's going around that there are two final destinations, heaven and hell? You know, I mean, if there is a God, I'm comfortable he'll make a judgment based on what you said. Who is to decide who is a Jew at the end of the day to say God will decide? And who is to say you will not go to heaven because you believed in me or you did not believe in me? The same people that gave you the idea that there's a heaven and hell also told you that God requires certain things from you to get to heaven. You need to love him first and foremost. You need to obey him. 
What is love? What is obedience? If we go down that path, um, don't kill people, be a nice person, you know, don't cheat. I can do all of those things without believing in him. If there's a God, do you think that the devoutly religious are better prepared for death and for their journey to the afterlife? I don't know. That's not my uh, place to answer that. Again, I'll, I'll go back to what you said about saving the Jews. Would Woody Allen go to heaven or not? I, I don't Woody? know. I'm... Maybe that's why they called him Woody. Okay, let's talk a little bit about free will. Do you believe in free will? The question of free will, you have to somehow be able to believe in God first, then debate on free will or not. So for me to believe in free will or not, I have to first believe in God or not. If I would believe in God, I would say free will is, is a very almost an impossibility because when you create something as a creator, the almighty and everything, you create everything, everything that comes into that system as a program, let's say. So you think that God's grace and his omnipotence and his omniscience is incompatible with human free will? When you create something, you create everything belonging to that system. It's a closed system. Everything is determined. At the end of the day, you say it's God's will. Where's my will? If I have a free will, that means there is something outside of God's will. Is this what we are saying? The Catholic teaching is that God's will is always done. Always. If a criminal does something mm -hmm. evil, he's still doing the will of God. But what he's doing is the permissive will of God, not the positive will of God. So we need to make that distinction. St. Augustine in the 4th and 5th centuries made that distinction. So God's positive will is always good, but God permits all kinds of evil. And because we have free will, we can choose to go against his positive will. God can bring good out of evil. That's why he allows us to have free will. The main reason he allows us to have free will is because love has to be free. He loved us freely and he created us for love. Why does it have to if be If love is not free, it's not love. If a man and a woman are married and they love each other and she gives him a kiss on the cheek every morning before he leaves for work, I think he'll be a little bit disappointed if he wakes up one morning and realizes that she's just a robot and she's programmed to do that. Love has to be free. If it's not free, it's just like being married to a robot. And if we are to serve God, we have to serve him freely. That's why free will is so essential to Christianity. We have to serve God freely and we have to obey him freely. When I obey God, it's not a mechanical process. It's the most free thing that I do. So love is something that God created. No, love is uncreated. God is love. But the concept of understanding love as we know it as humans, that, that's, a, that's a creation. That must be part of the creation. You cannot create just the physics of the universe. You have to create the logic of the universe, the mathematics of the universe, the feelings of the universe. These, without these, we will be just rocks. The component I think you're missing as a materialist is the supernatural. So you think of your mind as an epiphenomenon of all the molecular activity in your brain. I think of the mind as a supernatural Could be. I'm not, I'm not discarding that. Oh, so you're open to the supernatural? Absolutely. As I said, I'm a non-practicing atheist. <laughs> okay. I, I cannot disprove it. If I, if I was a, that practicing atheist, I would say no, and I would categorize myself as a religious person because I would have faith in no God 
and nothing else, just mm. mat matter and energy. Do you think that logically we necessarily need a first cause? Because that's what my God is. My God is the yeah. first cause. I stopped thinking about that and trying to have an answer for that. How, how can you have matter on its own, Big Bang on its own, out of the blue as the first cause, for example? You know, it just doesn't make sense. God is defined as the only necessary being. Existence is his essence. So by definition, he exists, and by definition, he's the first cause. It seems to me that you have to accept God. Is there any logical reason to reject God? If you want to define that this is what God is, which if it really exists, you cannot define God, by the way. Sure, yeah. I mean, if, if you want to define God as you said, yeah, there is God. But that's the definition that you want to put. If we are all contingent beings, that means that our existence depends on something else. That chain of dependencies hangs on something that in and of itself is not dependent, and that is God. The fact that we're here proves God's existence, just the fact that we're here. No, it could be a circular thing. Based on the recent things that I read a few years ago, the, all the string theory and all those things, some planes, they kind of curtains, they touch each other, and we created the Big Bang and all those things, which is like way more interesting than science fiction movies that we have seen. So to answer your question, Christianity and Judaism and Islam, it's very, it's, it's a linear-based view. If you look at Buddhism and Hinduism, it's, it's a very cyclical thing. I, I don't understand why this dissipating universe points to God. God is the first mover and he's the first cause. And the only way we can avoid the first cause is to say there's an infinite universe that stretches back in time infinitely. And okay. if time in the past is infinite, then the heat death would have already arrived. Let's picture the universe as a train that is now on a plateau and it's okay. just running on momentum. Okay. And the friction of the wheels means that it's slowly coming to a stop. Okay. That we're still in motion means that there's not infinite time behind us. So there okay. is a beginning in time for that train, the motion of that train. Okay. The other okay. way you can look at it is a train going uphill. We have to acknowledge that there is an engine pulling us uphill. Okay. It can't just be an infinite chain of cars attached to each other. And you can't just say it's a circle because okay. we need an engine to pull us up this hill. Why we can't say it's a circle? I challenge you to build me a perpetual motion machine using a hill and a circle of trains. Yeah, yeah but that's because we cannot create a non-frictionless uh, surface. <laughs> so you see, you're, you're trying to use science to disprove uh, basically atheism. Yeah. Using pure reason, we can determine the reality of God and the necessity of God. My church tells me that. Yeah. That okay. I cannot debate. Uh, I don't think it's fair for me to um, try to change your mind in a way. No, you should. You should try. I, that's what this whole podcast is about, is to expose my worldview to different attacks and to try to find the Achilles heel in, in my worldview. Because obviously you don't believe that the Catholic Church is the one true religion. I don't believe there is any true religion, including atheism. Having faith without reason, it's a little bit hard to swallow. How important is reason to you in your worldview? Is it central? Is it peripheral? It is central. 
What is the basis, the rational basis for your morality? I do not have an answer for that in a sense of, is it from God or not? And I don't know whether this is right or wrong, how much of it makes sense, how, how much of it is, is true, but there are things that, okay, we're all social, social beings and we, you know, like evolutionary wise, at the end of the day, somehow some sort of a social norm comes about. Based on the way you live within a group, you kind of develop your morality. So I, I don't know. I don't know where the source of morality is. I don't know why I'm, I am a good person or a bad person. What do you want to get out of life? Is it happiness? Is it pleasure? What is it? Yeah, love, being content, have friends, simple life. Is it necessary for you to get the things you want through honest means because of the nature of the things that you want? People that want pleasure can use dishonest means to get pleasure. But yeah. if you want love, can you cheat to get love? Can you manipulate someone to get love? Uh, not for the love that I'm looking for. Maybe some people, they don't care and from, you know, like they cheat and maybe they're, they're content with that. For me personally, no, I, like, I, I want it to be real. Let's talk a little bit about justice. Looking in the world today, do you get the feeling that too often people do get away with bad stuff and aren't compensated Absolutely. for being good? Absolutely. Too often people get away with it. So how do you feel knowing that I have a worldview where all the accounts are perfectly balanced and there is justice achieved? Mm -hmm. Do you feel envious of my position, my no, worldview? Not a bit. You prefer life sucks and then you die? No, no, I do not prefer that. But it doesn't mean that because there is that view that at the end people will be rewarded. I, I do not need to believe in, you, in that view that you just said to continue living a good life. Being a good person, meaning be kind, respect others, live your life, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't kill, don't steal, all the stuff that is written by in the Ten Commandments. I, I do not need to know that once I'm dead, I will go to heaven or not to be a good person. Do you think that there's a connection between virtue and happiness? There is, yeah. I mean, I mean, money buy, doesn't buy happiness, but if you're a good person, you're, you're happier, yeah. So I, I'm just wondering what you think of Pascal's wager. His logical argument was that the only rational and sane choice is to believe in God, because even if you're wrong, you're no worse off than anyone else. But if you choose not to believe in God and he does exist, mm -hmm. That's the worst possible mm -hmm. outcome. If there is a God, he's not going to care whether I believed in him or not for him to judging me to send me to hell or to heaven because he's going to say, you know what? I created this world for you and you ended up following the permissive will of not believing in me, but you did all the right things that I want the believers to do to go to heaven. So you know what? You did follow what I wanted you to follow, so go to heaven. If God exists and God is infinitely lovable, I think it's natural that you would love him. Do you acknowledge that? I acknowledge that. Yeah, you that would logic, yeah. I'm telling you right now that God does exist and he's infinitely lovable. How could you dismiss that message from me right now? I'm not dismissing that message in a way. Um, I am just saying, if what you're trying to tell me is correct, even though I say I don't believe in God, I am already there. I am doing what he wants for me to do. So 
is it really that important for me to say I believe in God or not? Given that he knows, he knows the reasons. Is it that important for, for you, the messenger, for me to say yes or no? If you told me that you were married and that you never tell your wife that you love her, I would say your relationship will only improve by expressing your love to her daily. Not only daily, but hourly. Why does he need that? He knows. Everything that God teaches me to do religiously, like whether it's going to church on Sunday mm. or, or giving alms to the poor, whatever it is that he tells me to do, it's all to increase my eternal happiness. What are you doing to prepare yourself for death? Because at death, everything isn't running smoothly. Everything is falling apart, usually. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So I'm preparing now for death. What are you doing to prepare? Just accept the reality that it's coming to an end. Or who knows, maybe it's not coming to an end. <laughs> I, I don't know. But what I'm trying to do right now as a preparation, just to be the good person that I think I am, just live your life, be content, and see what happens. What is the best case scenario for you at death? If you can use okay. your wildest fantasies. I actually have never thought about that. Even at the very last moment, I still exist. So from that perspective, there is no precaution after because I just will never experience non-existence. Of course, there is the other way that my soul will survive my physical body and I'll move on. That means there is a God. Let him decide what he's going to do with me. So is there a rosy picture that you could paint of something good happening after you die? To my soul, per se. Yeah. Or to your body. To my body? My body will decompose. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best case scenario? Well, that's the reality of what we see today. Uh, so I'm not asking what reality is. I'm asking you to fantasize about Oh, you're asking possible. fantasize. Oh, God, I don't live in fantasy. The atheist point of view where you die and you're annihilated and it's like you were never born. Compare that with heaven. It's pretty bleak. It's pretty depressing. It's not. Heaven's better. You'll have to admit. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about heaven. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it will not be physical. You'll end up in some sort of a conscious state that you recognize you're part of the greater, the God. You'll have love or feeling great or whatever for eternity, which is timeless. For you to transcend into timelessness, that means you actually have to surpass the time in itself. So in a way, you become part of God or you become united with Him. Or Do you think it could ever become boring? Boredom, hatred, love, Things like that are part of creation. If you transcend creation, boredom does not exist anymore because boredom is part of this existence, not the transcendence. Can you describe to me the best parts of life on Earth? List me some of the top things that are good about living on Earth. I'll narrow it down to one, actually. Okay. It's the knowing that your life will end. <laughs> because... If I am immortal, why would I go and, let's say, take religious courses this year? And why would I try to save my money and buy a car and so that I'm happy for the next 10 years? I can do that a million years from now. So to me, 
the fact that I'm dying, the fact that there is life, there is an end, it motivates me to achieve something. And what kinds of things do you want to achieve? I think I've kind of achieved what I wanted. Um, have a good life, be a good person, have a good friend. So the idea of immortality is a little bit of a turnoff because you think you'd be unmotivated and... Immortality on this, yeah. but if the immortality of your soul exists, that you join God, it's a different experience. In my religion, there's a very strong parallel Mm. between the goods of earth and the goods of heaven. Mm. For example, we have a body, but our body is not subject to pain and disease and aging. We have power, we have pleasure, we mm. have all the things that we seek here, first and foremost among which is love. And of course, we'll have knowledge and we'll mm. have discovery and we'll have all these things. We're not going to be sacrificing any of the things that we love and cherish here below. They'll be augmented, they'll be perfected, and they'll be mm. elevated. Mm. So it'll be very familiar and it'll be very comfortable and homey mm. and you'll be mm. at home. The image that you painted of heaven is a little bit more abstract and a little bit more science fiction. I am interested in understanding why you became an atheist and then as you progressed, you discovered that there is a God. At the age of 14, I specifically remember having a beautiful dream about Jesus standing on a small island with a palm tree on it. And he just looked at me and smiled and I woke up and I realized that I had lost my faith and it was very counterintuitive because that should have strengthened my faith. Basically, at the age of 39, I'd been studying philosophy as a hobby. I had read many, many things and explored many avenues as an atheist. Mm -hmm. My journey into atheism, I got deeper and deeper to the point where I realized that logically it was not scientific to posit the existence of the other. I only had myself and I became God. And of course, in the back of my mind, I knew that I was contingent and that I depended on many things. Mm. But I could, in my solipsism, I could escape that by saying it's just a dream or it's just an mm. illusion. Mm. And it's just, I'm just a God who's confused. And I was reading Rene Descartes. He had a very offhand solution to the problem of solipsism, mm. which was something like, yeah, of course God is good. And of course God exists. And of course the real world exists. And let's get on with science. It wasn't set out as, a, as a, a proof, and it certainly wasn't set out to convert anyone from atheism mm -hmm. to God, but that's the effect it had on me because of my journey. It was philosophy that led me to solipsism. Rene Descartes brought me out of solipsism to God the Father, and then I had to pick a religion. I didn't believe in Christianity, but I made the pragmatic choice to start my journey as a monotheist as a Christian because I live in a Christian mm -hmm. culture. But I will say that reading St. Augustine's Confessions made me fall in love with Christianity for the mm -hmm. first time because I, I was antagonistic towards Christianity mm -hmm. as an atheist. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes sense when you abandon Jesus Christ, you hurt him. When you hurt someone, it's hard to face them. But luckily I have the church and I have Mary and I have the saints and I can approach Jesus in an indirect way. And that's what I have been doing. It took 25 years as an atheist to come back to God. But I was very, very happy. And I hope it happens to you too. If being a Catholic makes you a good person, then be a Catholic. Just all that I can say. I would say if my message is to atheists, from a non-practicing atheist to atheists, look back and see if you can scientifically prove there is no God. We cannot do that. So for us to insist on the religious person to give up their worldview and join the atheist worldview, I think we are on the wrong path, in a sense. At the end of the day, both religious and atheists can be evil. 
one also can be good. If you like your worldview, if you think it's swell, if you've got some questions, ask me and I'll tell. All you've got to do is ask. All you've got to do is ask.